Ho, Tudor Files. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. Today's word is bedazzled. My Tudor Files, I am sure you have heard of the Earl of Essex, the most comely man whom the Queen did adore. Indeed, we all adored him. What an eye he had, and what a calf. I shall tell you that my breath came short whenever he was near. And yet... He did not love my queen as he ought. I often saw him mumping about. Once he said he would like the queen to treat him as well as she treated me. Well, such a thing was not for him to say. I told him he must be a goat, climb the mountain and bleat for the queen's favour. I tell you true that after that he looked on me with a stormy visage. One day I determined that I would follow the rogue, and so I did. He was going to the Globe Theatre, and I was delighted, for I could follow him and see a play. The Earl of Essex turned, and I feared he would see me, and I thought to lose myself in the crowd outside the theatre. So many groundlings, and the smell! I lifted my napkin to cover my nose, and the sun caught the golden ring on my finger. Instead of covering my nose, I bedazzled my eye, tripped and fell, arsiversy to the ground. Oh, Tudor Files, what would a great spymaster like Walsingham say? To you, I say, never follow a fellow with a great gold ring on one's pinky finger. Good advice, Philadelphia. Bedazzled. How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle, and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting! So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Philadelphia, can you give us the spelling of the word bedazzled? I do not wish to. It is terrible to be bedazzled, and this Essex, he was up to no good, I tell you. You're right. The Earl of Essex, who was Robert Devereux, second Earl of Essex, he was once a great favorite of Elizabeth's. So he was the son of Walter Devereux and the Queen's cousin, Lettuce Knollys. That was before her shocking marriage to Robert Dudley and her being banned from court. Lettuce and Robert did have a son, but he died very young. So we'll never know what the queen might have thought about him. But even though Lettuce herself was banned from court, her son, Robert Devereux, was welcome and a very popular courtier. Elizabeth doted on him. She transferred the right of all the taxes on sweet wine to him, and that made him very wealthy. And she also sought his advice. She made him a member of the Privy Council, and Robert Cecil did not like that. Indeed, Elizabeth did make Robert Devereux a member of the Privy Council, yet she was not fooled. She saw that he stepped from his place. Once she cuffed him at a meeting... Yet I cannot deny she was charmed. He was a wit, and with a sweet voice, and he made our queen smile, though her teeth were a bit black. So perhaps it would have been better for her not to open her mouth quite so wide as she laughed. But had she not ruled well? Did she not deserve a mickle of happiness? Why was Robert Devereux such a dissembler? Then is now, Philadelphia... People who have wealth and power 
it just seems like they're always falling in love with people who are much younger and also very attractive. And the younger people are very often accused of trying to get the older people's money or trying to change their wills. I mean, this is a very old dynamic. I agree. And even though people really knew that Devereaux was trouble and created a lot of stress in her councils, Elizabeth still did believe in Devereaux. She sent him to lead 1,600 troops in Ireland to quell the Irish rebellion. And that's the most troops she had ever sent. It's sort of two things. It's not wonderful to be sent to Ireland, but she is giving you as much as possible. And people thought the rebellion would immediately be crushed. It was so many more troops than she had sent previously. So Devereaux had told the Privy Council that he would follow a super aggressive strategy and confront the Irish chieftain, Hugh O'Neill. But instead, he got to Ireland, realized it was a very wild and dangerous place, and he went south, avoiding meeting O'Neill, and he ended up making a truce that Elizabeth never would have agreed to. And he lost all of the major battles. But despite that, he had the power to knight men on the field. So even though he's losing all these battles, he's knighting all his men so they feel very loyal to him. But as you can imagine, Queen Elizabeth did not knight someone unless they had just been of exceptional service for many, many years. Yeah, she was careful with those sort of things. And I know we make this comparison a lot between Elizabeth and Henry VIII, but can you imagine if Henry VIII sent somebody to Ireland and then they went exactly against the strategy he wanted and then they ended up knighting a bunch of people who would have been loyal to them? I mean, he would have had that person executed so fast. Elizabeth forbade Devereux to return to England because of these huge losses. She wanted him to stay there and try to kind of salvage the situation, but he returned anyway which again is just incredibly arrogant, right? Because he wanted to come back and defend his actions in Ireland. And he also didn't want to be thought a coward, even though, to be fair, he acted kind of cowardly by going around Hugh O'Neill. I guess you could say he acted judiciously because he didn't want a war, but that wasn't why. He just didn't want to face him. That is what he was there for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was there to face Hugh yeah. O'Neill. That was the reason he was there. So he comes back on his boat and he is going to tell Elizabeth what he's done. There's a famous story that he burst into Elizabeth's dressing room to plead his case and she didn't have her wig on. And that the fact that he embarrassed her, that that is what undid him. But actually, there's not very much to support that. I do not know if it is true or not that my lord, the Earl of Essex, saw the Queen without her wig. But whatever the case... What sort of person would ignore the Queen's orders not to return to England until he had rectified the situation in Ireland and, what's more, to burst into her room? This is thought to be a matter of vanity, but it is a matter of respect. Is the Queen not at the top of the great chain of being? She is indeed. And yet, it doesn't seem like, despite the wig and the night. If the wig happened. It doesn't seem that any of that turned her against him. Actually seemed that he was going to get to go completely free, that there would be no repercussions. She didn't send him to the tower or anything. But Robert Cecil, who was the son of William Cecil, the queen's most loyal advisor, I think this is when he realized 
he could bring Essex down. Well, because Essex was in and out of trouble. He was tried and released. He lost all his money. He was thrown away from court. He was banished, but he was proud. And instead of apologizing, he let everyone know that he thought Elizabeth was not the monarch she once was. He put that out there. That is treason talk. There's some historical support for the idea that he paid the Lord Chamberlain's men, and that's Shakespeare's troupe, to stage a play that would put the queen in a very bad light, that it was negative propaganda against Elizabeth that he was funding. Indeed. That is why I saw the Earl near the Globe Theatre, where my eyes would be dazzled. If I could have seen him commit treason, how the queen would have loved me. She would have granted me many lands, I am sure. I would be the most favoured woman at court. Oh, Pittigans, how that sun glare undid me. And Essex was undone as well. Right, with a group of men, he marched out of Essex's house and he demanded an audience with the Queen. You don't come to the Queen with a group of men and say, I demand to see you, and then expect her to be happy about it. So Robert Cecil named him a traitor, and he was tried and beheaded on February 25th, 1601. And it does seem like Robert Cecil, he is the one who really made the execution happen. I mean, at the end of Elizabeth's reign, there were quite a few plots against her. I don't know if Cecil was protecting the queen or protecting everything he had set up so that when she passed, he would retain power. It was probably a little bit of both. I agree. And he succeeded. James became king. And one of the first things he did was to make Robert Cecil appear. And he became the first Earl of Salisbury. And I'm sure his clothes were bedazzled with gems. What do you say? His clothing was bedazzled? I cannot make sense of it. So now when we use the word bedazzled, it means that someone has decorated an item of clothing or shoes or a belt with sequins, beads, sparkly glitter, anything that's shiny. It's sort of a craft word now. Pitikins, you have made it into a very silly word. But give heat to defiles. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary using bedazzled as it should be used. Listen in next time, don't miss a word, subscribe on YouTube, and give me a like.